mothers and fathers, daughters and sons, all of God's people, the old and the young. Let all who hunger to do God's will give praise. I want to praise your name. or the aspect of earth that just seems to not need a wake-up call to praise. So what, what creature or part of earth, event of earth, just naturally seems to express praise? The, oh, the sunrise, totally. Birds, yeah. Oh, the flowers, really, just the Praise, opening. The snow, the, the snow melting off the mountains as praise. Yeah, flooding the plains. Roosters. Roosters. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice to hear them as praising. <laughs> Can anybody make that sound? <laughs> yeah. And to make it even more personal, like what are the, you know, it's uh, the, the, the cat named Madison or who, who in your life or what creature, what, what part of earth just praises? Oh, oh, service dogs, totally. Yeah, a different, a really a humble ex expression of praise through devotion and presence. Mm-hmm. The geese on the lake, yeah, yeah. So God, we thank you for the, the creatures that we could actually know by name that have been companions with us who are the praisers of you in our life. And then the experience of the earth and of animals that we don't know personally, but we love from afar that just naturally praise you through their being and the lessons we learn from them we open to, especially today, that they and you awaken us to a deep kind of praise and aliveness and awakenedness through the power of your creation and name. Amen. That peace be with you. Let's share that with each other.
sheep bow down and graze. Your songbird share a morning hymn to offer you their praise. You made the paths we welcome in their wondrous blessings too. With paws and whiskers, wings and fins, they offer praise to you. Oh Lord, you call us to embrace these creatures in our care. May we show kindness, love, and grace to all pets On each farm, you know the things they need. May they grow healthy, safe from harm, and safe from human greed. Just as a shepherd loves the sheep, you know their joy, their You have blessed us with so much, tangible and intangible, within our grasp and around us in the world. We ask that you continue to fill us with gratitude for all of these things, and that you would guide us to continue to be good stewards of these resources and these gifts of of which we are only a small part. We thank you and praise you for all that we are blessed with. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
sisters and brothers, so many times we talk about the creatures as them and us. And the reality is, if we embrace it, we are also creatures. We share so many of the same needs. We have need for water, for food, for love, for connection, for sustenance, for community. And so just as we gather celebrating not only the creatures out there, but the creatures in here, as we gather celebrating that our voices indeed are raised alongside of theirs in praise of our Creator, we gather at a feast, a feast of Eucharist, of celebration of our God, a feast of connection. For indeed, it's through Jesus in knowing his time on earth is very limited. His time when he instituted this was to gather with those he loved deeply, those who had shared his life with, and he knew his time was coming to a completion. And so he created this beautiful, wonderful sacrament that has mystery, that has love, that has so much power of connection with it. For the disciples back then, for us, and then for the future as we celebrate in this sacrament. So let us join in a time of prayer to celebrate and give thanks to God. Holy and gracious God, for your creation and for the many, many ways that you love us. And with that comes as an expression of, of Jesus in this sacrament that he brought and shared with those he loved knowing they would need sustenance and nourishment in the journey ahead. So too we recognize our sojourners, those who travel with us, as we share in the spiritual food. We pray that you pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and gifts of wine, that the cup we bless and the bread we break may indeed be the communion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, too, we lift up our voices in praise. We lift them along with all the creatures of this earth, counting ourselves as one in celebrating you and giving you thanks. Amen. I invite those who would like to share in the service of communion, who maybe feel particularly moved in a connection with animals, to actually come and be a part of, of sharing in that communion service. So if anyone would like to come forward. I know I love it. It's wonderful. It is. It's like they're joined. They're like, hey, don't forget about us. On the night that Jesus gathered with those he loved, I'm just touched deeply of how profound of a moment that was. And I often think about what it would be like to say goodbye to my friends and to leave something with them that will sustain them and nurture and nourish them for the journey. And in that manner, he took what was very common, but he took a loaf of bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Share in the bread of life together. In the same manner, he took a cup, a cup of, of wine, which came from the grapes of the earth, which was common, and yet it was so much a part of who they were. And he said, share in this, drink of this. This is a covenant, a promise I make with you and with all the animals. 
I am here to share my love with you, and that will continue this day and forevermore. So drink of this, all of you. And so it's in sharing of this bread and drinking of this wine that we celebrate, we join by our actions in that celebration feast of love. And we do that together. So let us enjoy this feast. invite space and love and an openness and a silence. Let us continue in our offerings of prayer. O rulers of the earth and all her peoples, you powers and forces, you shapers and takers of the earth, her guardians and her friends. Don't be shy. Find a voice and praise. Young men and women alike, old and young together, babies and toddlers and teens and more, you gray hairs and aging and wise, come together with a song of praise. With beasts and birds and untold creatures, we name the name of the Holy One, whose name alone is exalted, whose glory is above heaven and heaven, and in it and through it and beyond. O God, you have brought us to your table and raised up a horn for your people, a blast of joy for all your faithful, for every soul who seeks you and who draws close to you in wonder, love, and awe. With everything that is, we praise you, O God, and give you thanks. And Bill and Grace, do you mind coming and just standing in our middle? This is, there are no words necessary. When we speak of the new creation where all, all animals are part of the new thing, Come, yeah, come on so everybody can see you. Like the new creation and an awareness that it has just begun. Mm. So let's just hold, hold all this moment for, for a moment. The heavens, the earth, the beloved. It is all here. 
Amen. 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 God is catching your attention with, and during the silence after each reading, consider asking God, what's the message for you through that word or phrase? The first reading from the Old Testament is from the book of Job, chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. But ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Or let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of God has done this? In God's hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all humankind. The second reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 26. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about what your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? What you have heard, this is the living word of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. What a joy to be with you this morning. My heart has been anticipating and eager, um, knowing Ashley in many different capacities, but also as such a dear friend, I shared with her this morning, it's a joy to actually worship together. Um, When we make colleagues and our clergy friends, we don't always get that gift. And I have heard her speak of her community and of each of you with such tenderness and such a delight of the community that um, I noticed this morning, I was like, yay, I can't wait. 
So, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for also, I was texting a friend of mine who um, is not from any faith tradition, and, and she always makes fun when I say I'm preaching at, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to change my language, because this morning I'm sharing my heart with you, and that's what's true. And it happens to engage with God's word, and it is also my heart and my feelings. So, so let's open with just a brief um, word of prayer. Creator, we open our hearts to you. May the words, the images, the little glimpses in our heart that remind us of your love for each of us, for all of creation, may we touch into that even for a moment this day. Be with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. When I was a little girl, um, they used to call me Mowgli. I would come to, we would travel to Colorado and go down by Pagosa Springs, and then we would go way up above, um, beyond where the wilderness area were, was at, and our family would fly fish. We would drop in over three waterfalls and fly fish, and this was long before that's become, um, I can't even think of the name of what, the outfitters that would go in there. So we would go to the mouth of the Pieta River, and my parents carried me. I mean, we started doing this when I was one year old, and they would just kind of set me in the meadow while they would fish. And they tell stories about looking over and me playing with squirrels, and, you know, there, there would be animals that would come and engage me. And for many years, I really kind of shut that down because what I realized is to have that connection with animals also meant not only the celebration, but also the pain of feeling some of their suffering. It was in my sabbatical journey five years ago that that reawakened, and I realized it's absolutely feeling both, and I couldn't imagine living life in a different manner. In fact, for me, I believe we all have the propensity and the possibility of connecting with all creatures. It's just how willing we are to open our hearts to that possibility. As a therapist and as a, as a coach, many times I find we journey back to some of the origins, some of the early languages, some of the early myths and stories we might have told ourselves about what exists, because that influences how we receive and understand today. So if you'll go with me, I'm going to back up just a little bit to look at the wisdom and how creatures were seen through the eyes of the creator, or what we know from our wisdom um, scriptures and things like that that bring forth. If you think about it, the very first mention of creatures in our um, text come from the narrative story of creation. They were actually created, but I always get tickled because people will somehow numerically align that, well, uh, and this came forth in some of my earlier days that somehow men were better than women because men were created first. And I was like, well, if that logic flows, then the animals actually have a higher place because they were created before humans. But it's that rich narrative where God reaches into the fertile soil and creates animals, creatures. And if you think about it, that's the same soil that God uses to create humans. So if you think about that source being almost like we become like siblings on this planet. 
If we continue to what has designed, or I would say what has been the biggest impact of how we see, I forget y'all are back here, I'm sorry. Well, how we see people, or how we see creatures on this planet, and how we've treated them for so many years, it goes back to that one word in Genesis, where humankind is given dominion over. And the reality is, if we unpack that word, it's a Hebrew word of rara, rara. And rada has two meanings. Sadly, over the years, what we've done is follow through with one. And the one description is in relationship to the people of Israel and their enemies. So that dominion is used. We exploit, we control, we protect because they are our enemies. And their living and livelihood will potentially destroy us. But that's not the only use of that word. And this is some of the things they teach us in seminaries. You go look at other meanings. And there's another place in scripture where it describes rada. And it's in relationship to God, to humankind. And it's a loving relationship that says, I will care for you and bring forth you to be all you've been created for. Now, if you think about animals, hmm, we're not really enemies. They really don't threaten our existence. I would say the only time I would think that might be dinosaurs. But otherwise, we really have control over our species in the manner that we're not threatened. We know how to protect. We know how to create that. So that's my invitation, is if we can shift that thinking away from dominion over to truly looking at how do we invite them to become all that they can be. If we continue on through scripture, we notice that every single covenant that is made by God with humankind always includes the animals. They are included. If you think about the one specifically, Noah. I love it because we think about the animals going on the ark two by two. We like to sing about it. It's a cute little thing. But the reality of that is the preservation of those species. I recently was speaking in um, Washington, D.C. I was talking with, um, I was invited to come in to talk with our senators and the senior legislative aides around the Endangered Species Act. And I shared with them, Noah is a perfect example of, indeed, that commitment that is called forth of humans to protect the species. And I shared with them, I said, you know, if I had a vote in this, I would change some of those. Like, I kind of would have left the snakes behind. (laughs) Not a big snake fan. But God, in God's perfect wisdom, knew they had a place on this planet, too. That every species was protected in the direction of Noah. I'm going to walk over here to see my notes so I see where I'm at. Um, Another is the Jesus with the animals. You know, Jesus was born, and it's so wonderful that indeed we're told in his birth, those who surround him are animals that sing forth the praise It's not the kings and queens. It's not the people of great importance. It is the animals that are there. And I love as he uses throughout his life metaphors for animals because he knows them. That's evident. He knows even as he talks about the birds of the air. He knows God's love and he brings it to a very earth level for all those listening to hear God's love for them. Because he's not saying the, the common sparrow we don't know anything about and it's just one of millions. He's saying God knows that sparrow. 
that animal that's so common, that bird is so profound and loved in God's sight, and so are you. And then the ending, what I love is this whole piece that continues on about the reign of God. In the new reign of God, animals are included. This is very fun for me. If you think about the prophetic voices of Isaiah, think about the peaceable kingdom, the use of animals that are so divergent, that have so many differences that may seem very aligned to our world today, and yet they are able to find ways to be with each other, to overcome their species and their, what we would call their instincts, and to see compassion and love and peace as a way to be with each other. We're reminded that they are part of the new heaven and the new earth. Um, Arrhenus often said that as they are part of the consummation of creation. With that comes a question many times people will say, well, and I always find it interesting, they'll say, do dogs go to heaven? They'll ask me that. And I, I, I find it kind of comical because they never really ask about cats, and I like cats. <laughs> One, why aren't y'all asking about the cats? <laughs> <laughs> but they do ask, and they'll say, do dogs go? And, and you know, part of that is how you, how you understand heaven to be. But my feeling, and when I talk about and see and read about creation being restored, they are part of creation. So I, I celebrate in that, and I celebrate I'm not alone. There's people from many divergent backgrounds, from our current pope to Billy Graham, who also would concur. Um, there's some people who, I'm trying to think of this quote, it's just coming to me of, if dogs aren't in heaven, then I don't want to go. So there's this piece that they are part of the new earth, they are part of recreation. Many times when I consider our relationship with animals, I think we, we have these certain places that we tap in, we appreciate their beauty. You know, we go to the zoo or we go to Africa on a safari or we, we see animals, we see elk out in the wild and we appreciate their beauty. And that's one aspect of being in relationship to them. We may appreciate the service they provide. They may be a, a cattle or a horse or a dog that's a service dog that provides for us companionship. And then we also appreciate those who are our companion animals. Our cats, our dogs. I know some have snakes. I just choose not to go visit them. But, <laughs> but we do have those animals that bring us that sense of connection. And we appreciate that as well. And that's all very important, because those are kind of entryways of how we connect with animals. But what goes even deeper is as we turn to Job. And what I love is this Job text. If you think about Job, Job invites us to a whole different perspective. Job is a wonderful example for someone who has experienced the worst-case scenario. Everything has happened to this, this gentleman. Everything. The worst case scenario of grief, of tragedy, of disappointment, of betrayal, of feeling isolated. In all of this, he has sunk to the lowest part in his life and felt the pangs of despair. And even the questions of, do I continue in existence? And I believe many times those are the places that we, we give birth to the wisdom that shows forth in our own lives. And from that are the words you hear today, are his wisdom. Ask the animals, listen to the birds, watch the fish, they will teach you. So Job's words invite us to consider animals not just as lower beings, 
but truly seeing them as teachers, those who can teach us about ourselves and about our world. They can teach us lessons on love, on grief. You know, the stories are just highlighted over and over of of elephants, a gentleman who rescued many, many elephants. And when he was on his deathbed and dying, and they don't know how this happened, but miles, literally 50 miles away, and each elephant he rescued, they would tag so they knew these were his elephants. Different herds, they're not even together. They came, and they came to his house, and like a waking walk, and I mean wake as in a preparing, they walked and grieved. We know elephants will go back to where their ancestors' bones are, and they pick them up, and you can hear the visceral grieving that they feel. They know these are our loved ones that we miss. They teach us about grief. They teach us lessons on life and how to live in the here and now. If you're, if you're struggling with jumping ahead in the future, go sit with a goose or a, a Canada geese out at, uh, at Wash Park. They live right in this moment. And to watch them in this very moment, they're able to stay here. They don't get caught in the, well, you know, five years ago this happened, or I'm worried about what's going to happen here. And again, this echoes back to our text. They are right here, right now. I have had the opportunity to take people on many examples through my business, through Adventures for the Wild at Heart, to connect with animals. And one, we had a women's retreat that we went to Longmont to, um, uh, it was around animals, and we connected with horses in particular. Uh, part of this, the time we spent up at Highlands Camp and, and really spent time talking about this, this idea of, of connecting with animals in a nonverbal manner. And, and the reality is, because that's how animals communicate. Horses themselves are animals of prey. You know, you, you know how you tell the difference where their eyes are located? So we are, we are not animals of prey. We are actually the, can be the predators, but their eyes are on the sides of their heads. And they're there for a reason. They were created this way so that they can always see what's happening. Because they are animals of prey, of, of, they are animals of prey, they are specifically attuned to always generate what is happening here. And if anything that I'm presenting is different than what they're picking up intuitively, I'm a threat. Their safety is in danger because transparency is vital for their survival. So we spend time in our workshop really developing how do you presence what you're experiencing without trying to show up strong. You know, if you have a fear of horses, how to express, I feel afraid. And to give yourself that permission and to say that even non-verbally to the horse. As our day unfolded, we went down and went with the horses and there was one woman who um, I deeply appreciated because I had no idea what she was presenting was different than what she was experiencing. We did little examples of little movements with the horse and equine therapy, and we got to one, um, one sample where we actually were walking the horse from one side of the corral to the other. The challenges were you couldn't touch the horse, you couldn't bribe the horse, you couldn't hold the reins. All you're doing is just sending your heart energy to say, walk with me. And people think, oh, I can't do that, and watching people and watching them do this. Her particular horse got all rattled all jangly, was just really irritated. And as she continued, 
and kind of kept going, the horse did something I've never seen. It popped up on its two feet. The gentleman I worked with, Jean-Jacques, immediately was there, got the horse. We were, it was fully safe conditions. But he and I both turned to the woman and said, what, what is it you're not expressing? What are you withholding? And she felt tears, and the tears came, and she said, I'm terrified of horses. And by saying that, that horse came down and came up right next to her because she was no longer a threat. She was now safe and actually loving and love, lovable. And that's a piece where they teach us about ourselves, how to be transparent, how to not mask what we're feeling. They also join us in the chorus of praise to our creator, the very nature that they celebrate. And whether that's through the, the cause of a rooster, whether that's through the sounding of lions, whether that's through the barking of a dog, you think about this is how they join their voices with ours in the praise of our creator. Uh, one of the other things I do that I love is I take people out to the wolf sanctuary that's down by Divide. And there's a wonderful part of that. We go inside the enclosures and actually have a very close-up personal encounter with the wolves. But one of my favorite parts is as they take us around and we are introduced to each of the wolves and hear their stories and why they're there, they do a sounding and so they start the, the wolves howling, and literally howling. And what happens, and I've watched this over and over, I've never watched any human that can stand there and not join in. Their voices are so, it's such a, a visceral part of us to join in and howl with them. And if you think about it, these are praises to our creator that we're joining in their chorus and what they teach us. They also provide for us as co-inhabitors of the earth. They're intricate um, part of this web of life. In fact, if you think about them as siblings, they have a valuable place on this planet. And this shifts from a little bit of the theological and spiritual to even more of just a real practical hands-on piece. They are a part, and if that web of life, if we disrupt it, if we lose species, it impacts this has become evident through the whales that for so many years, so many of our countries believed that the whales were actually eating all the fish. So we need to kill the whales so we have enough fish for the humans. And scientific proof showed what happened was the fish went away. And what they didn't realize until recent years is that the whales, those beautiful, gorgeous mammals that are huge, go into the depths of the ocean that no other animal can do. And they bring up a nutrient that comes within the light of the water, and then it becomes a super nutrient for plankton. So the plankton then multiplies, and then the fish multiply. So again, in our human reasoning and thinking, well, you're a competitor, we need to, we need to eliminate you, instead of realizing collaboratively, we build this to coexist on our planet. The same is true for wolves in Yellowstone. There's a whole series on how the wolves changed the directions of the river when they removed them. The rivers dried up. The elk multiplied and became too many. And when they reintroduced the wolves, everything got back to a balance. You can Google these and see. They're really, they're really beautiful videos that are on, on YouTube or Google just to look about the wolves changing the direction of the oceans or the, the whales changing the ecosystem. One of the last ones, and, and, um, and I'll wrap up quickly, is I saw just the other day, um, there was a gorilla named Kiko. Have any of y'all seen this? 
Kiko is a gorilla they've taught sign language to, which to me just astounds me. I sit here and think, not only are animals able to be with us in ways we communicate non-verbally, but this animal has learned sign language to communicate to us in our language. And Kiko, for years, they have taught sign language, they understand, they're complete sentences that Kiko shares. But they have a video, and it's Kiko with a New Year's Day message. And it's Kiko sitting there, and, and I, I just, I feel fondly, because it's almost like sitting there like a, a teacher, you know, in his, his bigness and his kind of uh, energetic fullness. And Kiko's doing, and somebody's translating, and Kiko says, Kiko is scared. The humans are killing the earth. The earth is dying. Stop. Stop. I thought, what wisdom to come from an animal to teach us about what we need to do to preserve our planet. It's powerful because they do participate in our ecosystem, in our lives, in a way that they also love us. So we might ask, what ways can we respond? How does this engage me? And my, my invitation is there's several ways to engage us. One is to look at the engagement in our choices, just our basic choices. In looking at how does this not only serve or entertain me, but how does this impact others? And I would say others having fur or feathers or um, fins. Ways that, that may impact them. Temple Granlin, who we all know, she's our beloved um, animal connecting person in Colorado. She invites us that animals teach us more how to be human. They engage that part of us to be more compassionate. And indeed, our choices make differences. I often get asked, and I'm, I'm a, I was born a Texan, and so whenever I speak, people go, well, you must be a vegetarian. And, and I share, this is, this is a conflict for me. And I say, you know what I've found that's true for me is I, I do eat meat. I don't eat that much. But the meat I eat, I choose very carefully. Because if it's meat that's grown in horrible circumstances and in pens that don't give life and bring forth that ultimate rata to let them live, even if it's a, it's a life that's just to be food for others, if I don't do that, actually they create disease. They get unhealthy. They have stress, and I ingest that. And then I am taking that in. So it doesn't serve anyone. So it's a piece of making choices, choices of how I treat animals and how I choose to live. The same with ivory. I choose very specifically not to engage with ivory. In fact, I'm a, a big advocate against it because animal species are dying because of the poaching. The second is to recognize that they are co-collaborators. They are co-inhabitants of this earth. They are not comp competitive in our existence. We often expand into this idea that it's an either-or, it's us and them. And the reality is it's together that we make this planet work, that we exist, that we expand in our love for each other. Mark Beckoff, who is also one of our Colorado folks, I don't know if you've ever read any of his books. He's a DU professor and a CU professor. He wrote The, the Animal Mandate. His premise is powerful because he says the footprint the very footprint of compassion, if we can show compassion to animals, that then will ripple out. And we show compassion to, to other more vulnerable, and then it expands and it expands. As opposed to there's only so much compassion and resources and love and economic to share. 
It's recognizing that as we open our hearts bigger and bigger, indeed, that has a ripple effect. And lastly, my invitation is to be open to love and wonder and to learn. Indeed, to delight in their presence, to know that I can, I can go out today and I, if I hear a bird singing, I can turn and kind of wonder, I, I wonder what they're saying. Or to go and see your beloved dog or your beloved cat and to say, what can you teach me today about me, about life, about living? To be open to joining our voices with theirs as we praise our creator. And for that, we give God thanks and praise that God, in all this wisdom, chose not to just have only humans on this earth, but to create a world that invites so much diversity and so many different ways we can love. Amen. So did that resonate? What are just one-word one responses or two-word responses? I'm just hearing yes, yes, yes. Any other word of response? Love. Gratitude. Together. And powerful that, you know, D is, is um, kind of deep in the river of this movement and that, um, that therefore we are too. So, and, like, thank you, God, that we're part of the movement. Let's be in silence for just a moment to let these things sink in and then... As you feel led to offer prayers out loud or further in the stream of silence, please come to the microphone and speak or enjoy the communion. Colleen Wager, who's here, has asked prayers for her son, Kevin, who has surgery on Friday, right, on Friday, for the amputation of his, his ankles and feet. So, real prayers of comfort and courage for Kevin. God, we pray about these things together. to ask for prayers for my colleague Megan who is going to be uh, having a c-section on Tuesday um, she was diagnosed with placenta previa and so we'll be facing potential blood loss and emergency hysterectomy if things don't go well so I just pray that her surgery is without complication and that there's happy news on Tuesday Um, I have a couple things this morning. Um, first of all, I've been 
really sad lately because my grandma's really sick and um, she's got like terrible osteoarthritis. She takes morphine pills several times a day. It doesn't do anything. And um, she's got congestive heart failure now and like half of her heart is not even working. And um, it's just sad, you know, because it's like a day-by-day thing. And, um, you know, I just, she's a, always been an important person in my life. And, and it's just sad to watch. But we're going, I'm taking the kids after Memorial Day to go see her. Hopefully she's still with us. But um, the good thing about all of this is, my mom is really stepped up to the plate and is doing what she's supposed to do for grandma and um, it's provided a bridge for me and her. So that's kind of a good thing. Um, And then secondly, I found out this week a friend, um, his name is Adam Levine, not the music guy, but <laughs> he he's my age, he's 38, and he's got two young kids, and he's got a, a brain tumor. And um, they think it's benign and it's slow growing, and he's going to have surgery in October for it, but regardless, it's just really scary, so I wanted to send some love out there for him. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. (laughs) Um, As you can see, my surgery went really well. Um, Things are a little bit better every single day but uh, still quite a bit of pain and getting up and down really hurts. (laughs) So I would love continued prayers for for quick healing and uh, I really appreciate all of you. It's been really wonderful to feel the love that I've felt from this community. So thank you. would like to request you on behalf of Lorene. She wanted me to convey the feelings that her mother is in the hospice and she would be needing courage and special prayers for herself. She wanted to come today, but at the very 11th hour, she made me a call to convey these feelings to you. And also for our pastors, Speedy delivery. We are waiting to see her twins. And I would also be like to pray for my husband. He's having back pain, but I told him to come to church and just sit and get the blessing from God. And the most thing which we are grateful is our wedding anniversary, 48th wedding anniversary. We are grateful to God for all these years. He has given us good kids. He has given us many blessings. And I think these are all his blessings 
There is nothing for which we should be uh, say that we, that is from us. That is all God's blessing. And thank you very much. I would like to offer up a prayer of gratitude uh, that um, last weekend I had the opportunity to be up in the mountains during the snow storm and I was uh, went snowshoeing uh, in this pine forest and I uh, felt incredibly close to God um, in that moment and it's something I haven't done in a long time, too long actually and, and what I would like to offer to you is if you can find yourself the time uh, to be alone in nature, in some little corner somewhere, even if it's in your backyard, and, uh, and just stand next to you know, God's amazing creation and, and let it sort of fill you the way it did me. I wish that for you.